This podcast episode, while not explicit, contains some gruesome details about violence that may be troubling for some listeners to hear. Listener discretion is advised. Creepy Life Podcast, a podcast with a wide variety of creepy topics for all your true crime, paranormal, and otherwise spooky needs. I'm Thomas. I'm Sparky. Are you sure about that? Maybe. Well, We're all here. right. Yes, it's very exciting. Yeah. It's recording time. Yeah, and I just finished watching Return of the Jedi, so I'm like super pumped. Oh, it's while you're wearing your Mando shirt. While I wear my Mando shirt. You've got crumbs on your face from something, I'm not really sure what. I've eaten way too many cookies today. <laughs> Alright, cool. Should we jump right in? Let's jump right in. Okay, I already know your topic, but let's tell the fans. We're going to talk about the Kentucky Cannibal. Great. Yeah. Now, I know one of our listeners, last week I mentioned Cannibal, and she texted me. And she was asking me all kinds of questions. Was it this one? Was it that one? Was it this one? Nope. She got a little close, though. She mentioned Donner Party. I was like, well, similar-ish time. But I didn't tell her that. I don't know. I usually avoid cannibalism stories because they make my tummy feel gross. So. Oh, yeah. Okay, so his real name was Levi Boone Helm. Oh. But for the most part, he's just known as Boone Helm. Okay. And I can't even remember where I was introduced to this guy. It might have been like a list or I follow a couple history pages on Instagram. It might have been that. But at first I was like, oh, this could be interesting. And now it's like, if they make a movie about this guy, I want to play him. And you'll find out why. Okay, so Levi Boone Helm was born January 28th. 1928, 1828, there you go. in Kentucky, into what was considered to be an honest, hard-working, and respectable family. Now, when he was really young, the family moved to Missouri. Now, Boone liked to demonstrate how strong he was, always looking for a chance to show off. But he would frequently try and pick fights. Good. Yeah, to show he was, he was a tough guy by beating the crap out of him. Well, that's always nice. Mm-hmm. And this one thing I found out he would do, which was interesting, he would throw his knife into the ground mm-hmm. and retrieve it while on horseback at full gallop. Interesting. Yeah, that seems actually kind of fun. Seems like a head injury waiting to happen. Oh, absolutely. One thing he did when he was younger was on horseback, he rebuffed a sheriff who was trying to arrest him, mm-hmm. and then he walked his horse up the stairs of the courthouse and into the courtroom. While court was in session. Oh. And verbally attacked the judge. With his horse there? With his horse there. He just, on horseback, rode into the courthouse, up the stairs to the courtroom. Yeah. Okay. Well, I wonder what was in, like, session then. What was going on? All I could find was that the circuit court was in session. 
I'm guessing it probably would have been... I mean, you know, at those times when they arrested someone, they pretty much rotted in a jail until the judge came around and they tried everyone at once. Kind of. Cool. Okay, you did this. Okay, here's your sentence next. Okay, yeah, you know. So so the next guy waiting in line was like, seriously? Seriously? I've literally been sitting in that jail for eight months waiting for him to come around and you're just going to jump in place. Not cool, bro. And here you bring in Sparkles the Unicorn and that gets to go ahead of me. In 1848, when he was 20 years old, mm-hmm. he married 17-year-old Lucinda Browning and, that. and soon fathered a daughter. But he had a reputation for heavy drinking, What? riding his horse into their house. See, this doesn't surprise me since, you know, riding into the courthouse. And beating his wife. Again, I'm not surprised. Uh, but it got to the point that his wife, now keep in mind, this was the 1800s, pre-Civil War 1800s. Okay. She petitioned for divorce. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Good for her. And his father paid for it. So basically his family knows he's a piece of crap. Mm-hmm. Cool. And not only did they pay for it, but it completely bankrupted his family. Dang. Yep. So he bankrupted his father, ruined their reputation. Then he decided to go to California. He's like... Bye. Okay, so this was around 1850. He decided to go to California in search of gold. He asked his cousin, whose name was Littleberry Shoot. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Littleberry Shoot. <laughs> Littleberry Shoot. Littleberry Shoot. I'm picturing like a straw that somebody would shoot. <laughs> so at first his cousin agreed. Yeah, sure, I'll go to California with you. But then he decided he didn't want to go, and Boone got angry and stabbed him in the chest. Great. Killing him. Yeah. Okay, so stabs his cousin, killing him. Great. And then decided to go alone. So his cousin's brother, also his cousin, obviously, and some of their friends pursued and captured him. But the way he acted while they had him in captivity put him in an asylum for the mentally deranged. Interesting. Uh, Yeah, yeah. But... At the asylum, he managed to convince his guard to take him on walks through the woods. And after they became routine, he took advantage of their trust, deceived them, and escaped. Okay. He has been an alcoholic that beat his wife, killed his cousin for refusing to go gold hunting for him, got locked in an insane asylum, and has escaped. That's pretty smart, though. Like, to act crazy so you go to an insane asylum and then escape. From there, so then you're kind of like away from everyone that was looking for you, and they don't know. Yeah, but however, some of the things that he does later on, I don't really think he was pretending. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's a stand-up guy either. So he headed on to California. On the way, it was reported that he killed several people in various altercations. Great. Some were actually premeditated. Hmm. And he typically had to flee. From place to place to avoid being arrested. He would ride on fleas? Mm-hmm, totally. I wonder how many fleas it would take to carry a person. Probably a lot. You know those ants that, like... Can pick up a body? Yeah. Like in uh, the rainforest? I don't think fleas can do that. No. You remember Indiana Jones in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Um, when they're attacked by the ants and they literally drag that guy kicking and screaming into the anthill? No, it's been a long time since I've seen that. It's not the best Indiana Jones movie, but I've kind of decided that I'm not going to be that fan that 
sits around and complains. It's not the best Indiana Jones, but I enjoy it. Okay, so he eventually teams up with about six men, and he confides that in the past he had eaten all or part of the people he killed. Quote, Many's the poor devil I've killed at one time or another, and the time has been that I've been obliged to feed on some of them. Great. Yeah, that is the first, like, report of cannibalism. And it's not like a detail of, here's a guy, he ate him. We, we don't really know. Was he bluffing? Or had he actually eaten his murder victims? Okay, so in California, he met other people just like when he was younger that wanted to fight. And so he would fight with them. He, they'd duel with weapons. Um, and then he could take them on as his follower. And they would carry all of his unwanted items. Mm-hmm. Until you overload them with too many dragon bones, and you're carrying too many dragon bones and ingots, and then you just get sad. Sure. So, one thing that was interesting about this time was, if two people got in a fight and one of them ended up dead, mm-hmm. you know, if it was like something that people witnessed, they witnessed the fight, they saw both people had weapons, you know, they didn't usually care. Great. It's just kind of like, oh, you know, got in a fight, one's dead. Okay, let's move on, not our business. Oh, bummer. But it got to the point where he had to constantly flee because they were after him. They're like, okay, you're killing too many people, you know? They're like, okay, this was fine for a while, but, like, you're cutting down on the amount of scumbags we have here, and then we can't watch as many fights because you keep killing them all. So would you just stop? Our free Saturday night entertainment is gone. Okay. Okay, so in 1853, he was recorded as being in, I think it's Dallies? D-A-L-L-E-S, Oregon. He and about half a dozen companions, and he picked them on the way, who were strangers. Mm -hmm. They decided they were going to start out for Fort Hall, Idaho, and decided that at some point they were going to head to the Salt Lake City area. This wasn't the the best season, and west of the main range in eastern Oregon, they were on horseback, they didn't have a whole lot of provisions, they pushed deeper and deeper into the mountains until they got to the Bannock River. Mm -hmm. There they were attacked by Indians and chased into country that none of them were familiar with. And then they got as far as Soda Soda Springs on the Bear River. They did know where they were at that point. But by that time, their horses had given out. They had no food. Oh, Bubba horses. They killed their horses for food. Oh, no, sparkles. And they made snowshoes out of the hides. At least they were resourceful. Nope. I'm still sad about sparkles, so. Okay. And so they were still trying to reach Fort Hall. One by one, they kind of started dying off. And they just they couldn't continue anymore. They're like, oh, man, I'm bored. Die. Well, they didn't really have much food going in, you know, blizzard weather. That's fine. With Tough it out. Wear each other's skin. It'll keep you warm. Gross. Had Gain did it. So, Helm and a man named Burton were about the only two left. They were within reach of Fort Hall, and Burton couldn't go any further. Was his last name Guster? I don't have any other name but Burton. <laughs> you watch Psych too much. So he ended up, Boonhelm left Burton behind at an abandoned cabin and pushed forward. 
not being able to find food, he went back to where he left Burton, and he was trying to, to get wood for a fire when he heard a pistol shot, only to find that Burton had killed himself. Oh. Mm-hmm. Why? My guess was he was dying from exposure and just didn't want to suffer anymore. That's too bad. So, Helm stayed at the spot and ate one of the legs of Burton's. Did he bread it and fry it? Probably. And then he wrapped up another piece in an old shirt, threw it across his shoulder, and headed east. Save this for later. And like I said, he had before claimed that he had eaten people in the past. So has this been verified by someone else? Um, Most of what we know about him was pretty much his own account. And he seems like he never lies. Then eventually he was found at an Indian camp by John W. Powell, who took care of him, gave him food, clothes, took him into settlements around Salt Lake. And Powell discovered that Helm had a bag containing over $1,400 in coins. Wow. Which he had carried this entire time. Yeah, like all through the tracks, no food, but he had all the gold. What? Yeah, yeah. And he refused to, to take payment. Well, some articles that I found said that Helm never offered. Others say that this guy refused. He was being a good Samaritan, you know. But Helm never, it was reported as never even thanking him. And as soon as he reached the Mormon settlements, just, see ya. Rude. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I found differing sources. One says, you know, he refused to take money. The other one says that Helm never offered. They both stated that as soon as they reached the settlements, he was gone. So here, he kind of, like, chilled for a bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, spent money. And then finally, he was hired out as a Danite. What's that? A Danite is an organization founded by Latter-day Saints members in Caldwell City, Missouri. They operated, while they were in Missouri, they operated as a vigilante group and took a central role in the 1838 Mormon War. Oh. So basically, he rented out as a hired gun. For Mormons. For Mormons, pretty much. That's what it sounded like to me. He killed a couple of men who the Mormons wanted removed, but soon it got so bad that he was forced to leave. So, he headed west to California, and then headed north to San Francisco. While he was in California, he robbed and killed a man at a ranch who had taken him in and befriended him. Wow, how nice. Mm -hmm. You've been really kind to me, Bang. Pretty much. He didn't have any uh, feelings of gratitude, no matter how people treated him, you know. Saved him from freezing to death, gave him food, clothing. No. Befriended him, kept you away from vigilante mobs wanting to kill you. No, didn't care. I wonder if he was... I never remember the difference. I think it's a sociopath, where they don't have any feelings. Or is that a psychopath? I think it's a sociopath. sociopath. That's kind of what he sounds like to me. So, he ended up in Oregon. Oregon? Oregon. Isn't that where he started? No. No. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was in Missouri, then he went to California, then he went north, and then he went back east through Idaho and Salt Lake. He's just going like this. He's running laps. (laughs) So, he went back to, uh, robbery as a means of supporting himself. What happened to all his gold? He spent it all? Most likely. He killed several men. And it's not known how many. So, in 1862, 
large crowds of miners were growing, you know, looking for gold and whatnot. And, of course, he shows up. And it's here that he kills a guy in cold blood. The guy wasn't armed. Why am um, I not surprised? Uh, the victim's name was Dutch Red. Dutch Red. And he had a reputation as being a fighter. But he had never he never offended Helm. You know, it wasn't like he, he said an insult or something that led to an altercation. Basically, the way it sounded to me was some guy who was an enemy of the victim pretty much convinced Helm to pick a fight with him. And so Helm Oh, an enemy of Dutch Fred. Mm-hmm. And it is possible that he was hired. Instead of just, hey, go fight that guy, it's possible that he was actually hired to kill him. Well, that would make sense, since he had done that in the past, you know. So, Dutch Fred was unarmed when Boone shot him. Missed him with the first shot, took aim, and with the second, killed him. Rude. So, yeah, he ended up having to leave. Because, I mean, like I said earlier, if it's two guys shooting at each other and one of them dies, no big deal. But if you shoot a guy who has no weapon... Mm-hmm. That's murder. That's not self-defense. That's not, you know. Well, if he was, like, attacking you, that's one thing. Like, if he came up, he started beating your face in. You know what I mean? But mm -hmm. if he's just, like, chilling, and then you're like, oh, hey, by the way, pow, pow. Yeah. So, in the fall, he uh, ends up north on the Fraser River in British Columbia. Uh, he wants he a... really is just going all over the place. He is. He ended up in a starving situation, and he was with an unknown... Companion whom he is believed to have killed and ate. Great. This guy has a very interesting life. He was eventually captured by British authorities. They send him back to the U.S. where he is held in Portland, Oregon for safekeeping. Then he was taken back to Florence. Italy? No, it, it's the town that he killed uh, Dutch Fred. Oh. But conveniently, all the witnesses had either disappeared... Or... Been eaten. Nope. Had been paid off by Boone's brother, Tex. I thought his family didn't like him. Well, apparently, one source, and the reason I didn't mention it in the beginning was, I'm not sure if the source is really that trustworthy. Nope. But apparently he had, like, 12 siblings. Cool. So... That's too many. Plus money talks. You know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's what happened to all his gold. That's true. That would actually make sense if he was hiding and his brother was nearby, give him the money, pay off the witnesses, I'm out of here. Yeah. But it had been such a long time, people um, weren't really interested in that because more crimes had happened since then. So that that's more top priority. Mm. So he escaped, you know, justice, which he honestly should have been tried and executed for, because, let's face it. Yeah. And he was supposed to have gone to Texas... But he soon appeared in several settlements which have been mentioned earlier. You know, and start like almost retracing his steps. He just I really it likes correctly. to do laughs. Yeah, see that's the thing with this. It was very hard to find exact details. Cause most of it was like whispers. I mean, he's not the like the most famous person out there. So yeah, he appeared here, he appeared here, and but most of it was his own account. Yeah. And plus we're talking the 1850s, 1860s. Not a whole lot of record keeping going on here. Like well, now. Especially the 1860s, if the Civil War was going on, that was not their top priority. No. And, you know, honestly, like now, thanks to social media, even someone that that's not going to do anything significant in their entire life. They're just going to be the average person. They got 
a spouse, kids, you know, work at the same job all their life, retire. They're not the president. They're not this outlaw. They're not, you know, thanks to social media, it's a good chance their life is going to be documented. Yeah. Something they didn't have the pleasure of having in the 1860s. Or misfortune. Uh, It said that he killed many more people. But again, how many people he killed, no one knows. Some vigilantes finally did catch up with him. Uh Uh-oh. And they arrested him. That's not what vigilantes do. They arrested him on the street. Was he naked? No. Okay. He said, if I had... If I'd had a chance, or if I'd guessed what you were up to, you never would have taken me. Um, He also claimed not to know what he was wanted for when he was brought to the judge. It's like, hey, what do you guys even want me for? I I, I didn't do anything. I didn't ride my Um, horse in here. And he he claimed that he had never killed a man in his life. They they made him kiss the Bible (laughs) and swear over and over that he, he did nothing. And... He did. He swore on the Bible with what was described as perfect calmness. Yes. Yeah. Finally, he confessed to a murder in Missouri and in California. But he swore on the Bible, Thomas. I know, I know, I know. And he admitted that he was that he had been imprisoned a few times. Okay. But he denied that he had he had been a road agent. A rogue agent on the rogue road. Agent. Yeah, like a uh, a rogue road agent. A highwayman. He was a highwayman. He was heavy. His weight was high. Okay. He hates me. When he was captured, he wasn't alone. He had been part of a, a gang. Of course. It's probably a gang in each city that he was like, hey, can I join you? Thanks. But he basically accused some of the people he was riding with of some of the crimes that he had actually. He's so rude. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, um, you know these guys. They're pretty shady. One of them was a man named Jack Gallagher. Known as Three Finger Jack Gallagher. What happened to the other seven? I don't know. I didn't really look into him too much. <laughs> or maybe it was like a shot thing. But he was actually there and heard Boonhelm incriminate him and shouted out to him any name you can imagine, called him, and stated that he ought to be the one that dies. He ought to die, you know, for what he's done. So Boonhelm said, I have looked at death in all forms, and I am not afraid to die. He then asked for a glass of whiskey, as was, you know, it's kind of a common trope, you know. Give the guy who's about to be hung a a drink or a smoke or something. From that time on, he was, like, super calm and unconcerned. Like, nope, no, I didn't do anything wrong. Nothing was going to happen to me. Cool. So, in Virginia City, there were 6,000 people showed up for the execution. Wow. 6,000 people. The place of execution was to be a half-finished log building. The ropes were passed over the ridge pole. The front of the building was still open, so it offered a full view. Boonhelm looked around. He told Jack, stop making such a fuss. There's no use to be afraid to die. Now, this is a guy who's being executed because he's been accused of the things he's done. While he has done other crimes, maybe not to that extent. Mm Mm-hmm. They actually described him as being devoid of fear. He was calm. He didn't see any value in his life or others. And when he saw that his end had come, you know, he was just careless about it. One thing that they mentioned was that he did have a sore finger. Like, I don't know if it was cut or busted up, but that seemed to bother him more than the fact that he was about to be executed. 
I really feel like that's a sociopath thing. Oh, absolutely. I know I keep saying it, but, like, mm. everything you're saying to me is like, oh, yeah, he had absolutely no feeling except for he cared about himself, and that's it. Yo. Um, some sources say that his finger was tied up. Others say that at this time he's tying his finger up. Okay. There, so I don't know if he, like, got a cut or busted it or something. He was quoted as saying, for God's sake, if you're going to hang me, I want you to do it and get through with it. If not, I want you to tie up my finger for me. He also said to Jack Gallagher, give me that overcoat of yours, Jack, as they prepared Jack Gallagher for the news. They would strip him down to so it wasn't anything on his neck that would prevent him. And Jack just replied, you don't need it now. It was around this time that George Lane, one of the other men being executed, actually didn't let them kick the, the box out from under him. He just did it himself. So then Boone was quoted again. There's one gone to hell. So this was Jack Gallagher that died? Uh, it was a guy named George Lane was the first one. They were part of the, the group that was arrested at the same time. Okay. Sorry, there's just a lot of people. I'm getting confused. Jack Gallagher was hanged next, and he struggled, and his friend watched calmly. Okay. Boone just kind of watched like, okay, and said, Kick away, old fellow. My turn next. I'll be in hell with you in a minute. So when it was his turn... Stood up on the box, the noose around his neck. He yelled at the top of his lungs, Every man for his principles, hurrah for Jeff Davis, and jumped off the box. Who's Jeff Davis? My guess is Jefferson Davis, president of the Confederacy. This was January 14th, 1864. Boonhelm was 35 years old and buried at Virginia City's Boot Hill Cemetery. That uh, photo that we tease on Instagram was his actual grave marker. Hmm. Yeah. So he was a killer, a thief, a cannibal. He felt absolutely nothing. He one time hacked up a friend or a companion to survive, but on the next, that was a companion that had took his own life because he didn't want to freeze to death. He wanted to go out on his own terms. Whereas another time he was in that situation, he killed his companion to eat him. Claimed that he had eaten many people. Claimed that he had eaten his murder victims. I'm wondering how much of his story... Is real? Yeah. And how much... Because if most of it is from his perspective... Oh, do you want to give your sources really quick? Yeah, so my sources were... Legendsofamerica.com Wikipedia What? Killer.cloud slash serial killers And Barkerville.com Cool. Yeah. Yeah, you kept telling me about this one. This one, I don't know. I think I would like to play this character. Yeah. Because he does all this horrible stuff, but he doesn't feel anything. Yeah. And I think that would be an interesting character to play. And throw it in the backdrop of the Old West, where, like I've said before, you get in a little scuffle, someone ends up dead. It's no big deal if both of you was armed. If both of you were fighting. Mm Mm-hmm. So he could literally provoke people, kill them, and get away with it. Just walk away. Yeah. He he feels nothing. I'm not condoning what he did. It was absolutely horrible. But I think, as an actor, that would be a fun challenge. Says the guy who is too cool for theater now. Yes, I have retired from theater. I would like to pursue other hobbies. Anyway. Well, that wraps up the story of Boone Helm. Are we done? I think we're done. We would love it if you would... Rate and review us on Apple Music, whatever. 
Apple Podcast, iTunes, whatever. Whatever you call it, I'm old, so I still refer to it as iTunes. Yeah. Also, please share us with your friends. Please be nice. Please don't punch anybody unless they punch you first. If you're ever going to scuffle and you kill someone, don't eat them. Just walk away. If you guys can't tell, it's a little late and we're both very tired. And kind of at that um, goofy stage. Do you want to talk to us? Email us at creepylifepodcast at gmail. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. That about wraps it up on my end. Me too. So thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. You guys are awesome. We love you. Yes, we do. Especially you. Yes. Sitting there listening, wondering if we are actually talking to you. Yes, we are. We love you. Stay creepy. That's what she said.